podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. Well, I'm so glad to have here in the studio Dave Shepke. He is a drummer and musician, which are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but in this case, they are, are one and the same. Uh, Dave Shepke, so thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I, where do I even start with you? Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've actually been asking people since I started the podcast. Uh, I started in COVID. I've been wanting to ask people. What have you been up to during COVID, since COVID? We're still in COVID times here. So right. what have you been keeping busy with? Well, I've got two kids, so that starts everything, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, so that, that keeps me more busy than, than my, my life used to be like before I had children. Um, but outside of that with music and such, uh, I've been working on trying to forge a new way, I guess, using the scenario that we have uh, presented to us with all the negatives and positives. Yeah. And um, I guess try to find some some new identity in the industry for myself. And also looking at for as you know, long as I've been doing this, trying to take this as an opportunity to maybe not necessarily reinvent, but uh, Re- revision or re-envision what my directives are as a musician, as a drummer, as whatever. Yeah. So yeah. what I've been doing is is um, diving into a, to to trying to accrue <laughs> as much knowledge as I can uh, via uh, video work, and I have a home studio which I've had for a while, but I've been I've been up upgrading that and. Um, developing that but uh i've been i've been actually working with a lot of video which is for me very frustrating i'm not good at it video as in um filming okay, myself filming, yeah. yeah and i mean within that context there was a there was a stretch where i was doing a lot of um live streaming and things and some of that went fine mm-hmm. um some of that was you know wrought with frustrations mm-hmm. of the the challenges of technology and my insufficient mm-hmm. uh, knowledge and mm-hmm. experience and and time you know again back to the to the kids and stuff yeah. it's like I, I used to be able to just dive into things and and work it out but with the family and stuff and and everybody being home so much more frequently i mean time just became even more of a, right. a compounded scenario for me not to, i'm not complaining about it it's just just how how life is now for me and so um, so I spent some time working, doing a lot of live stream stuff, and and then as of late, um, I'm putting out a book, a drum mm-hmm. book, like a uh, it's like a beginner intro sort of thing, and then it's going to go with a sort of a, cor- a course or online um, deal with videos and things like mm-hmm. that. So I've been filming a lot for mm-hmm. that and stuff. So nice. yeah, that's been. You're I mean, keeping busy. I'm just diving in. I mean. It, in addition to that, I'm working with a number of different people on on duo projects. Yeah, and doing that too. Yeah, so, so things haven't slowed down; they've just maybe shifted. A yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. It's in a different, like I said, a different way. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's interesting that um, you know you brought up the parenting right now. I mean, it's it's how can you not think about it when when you're in the thick of it? Uh, the last uh, podcast guest that I had was Zach Petrini, who also has. Uh, uh, some kids that are right around the same age as yours. And so that, that was front and center for him too, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden when you're used to having them, uh, you know, being away or being, you know, the, it's back to school time, but, but they're there, they're still there. Right. You know? right. <laughs> what do you do with that as, as someone who's used to working from home? Um, right. Yeah. How has that been for you? Uh, well, it's been, it's been, like I said, challenging just to yeah. try to figure out how to do it. And, um, you know, the way that the, my wife and I have it set up is, she takes care of the kids a couple of days a week mm-hmm. and I take care of the kids a couple of days a week. And, um, but the challenge is because I'm working at home, even though I've got a, a nice mm-hmm. studio that's away from everybody, mm-hmm. you're really not yeah. away from everybody. Yeah. And, and the kids know it. The kids know <laughs> it. And it's just, you know, 
kids are screaming, there's yeah. stuff happening, and it's just it's just the way it goes when yeah. they're that young, six and three. And so I've had to I've had to um, take my time to try to focus more on smaller tasks, mm-hmm. you know, or or not trying to do as much all mm-hmm. at once. And it's been a lot of trying to <laughs> just to be patient mm-hmm. with and and acknowledge that this scenario is what it is. And there's there's obviously lots of good things about being home all the time with my kids, and mm-hmm. and certainly we're getting out more and being able to do more things lately. But uh, but but the challenge of of being able to, like I said, get into a scenario, fix it or do whatever, and develop things. It's like where I could maybe take four hours to do it. Mm-hmm. Now maybe I might get two, and I might get I might not get it half mm-hmm. done. It might mm-hmm. take another. Then I can't get to it for another week sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's those those are the frustrations that I'm facing. But again. In the whole re-envisioning thing with my career and what's happening is with what I'm doing as a kind of a solo drummer mm-hmm. sort of deal, that's all in development. Nothing mm-hmm. is really entirely, you know, life or death. It's not like mm-hmm. you've got to go on tour and there's all sorts of things. It's it's all a process right now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, you, and you just mentioned that you are doing a lot of solo drum work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, have Has that been something that you've done a lot of in the past or is that a newer thing for you? It's new. Uh, it, it's weird how it all kind of coincided I mean, within a year of co- the COVID attack, <laughs> attack of the COVID. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, I uh, it was something I had wanted to do. Oh boy, I, th- I think I even started thinking about it when I was in high school. And um, but back then it was like, uh, what, what do you do with anything like that? And I didn't have a lot of. I had some inspiration for these ideas, doing solo drum drum set work. Kind of mm-hmm. tunes, compositions, whatever. But I didn't really, I mean, I didn't know of many people that were mm-hmm. doing it. And certainly there have always been people doing things of all sorts of, you know, varieties and such. But my background as a musician was pretty limited at that point. So I hadn't mm-hmm. had a lot of exposure to uh, seeing other people, how it could be done. Not to mention the industry at that time was very limiting as far as, I mean, nobody knew who I was mm-hmm. at all. And what would you do when you're 18 years old with a, you know, a drum composition mm-hmm. or a drum work, unless you were, you know, working within classical or mm-hmm. those sorts of realms. And even then I was not even thinking of what that would have, you know, been, you know, as far as vision wise, how it, it would apply. Right. So I put it away. I just kind of said, well, that's, that's a foolish idea. Why would you do with that? Yeah. Just go in and do all the other things you do and when you're trying to exist in the, in the business and being in bands and all that stuff. And uh, so it wasn't until I was um, I was touring with Martin Barr, and uh, and Martin Barr is for those who may not know, he is the former guitar player from Jethro Tull. Yeah, and I did about a, six months with him, and uh, I was touring with him, and he was kind enough to allow uh, the band members to sell merchandise of whatever we you know had nice bands or solo projects, whatever, and so I had. I've done lots of albums and stuff with bands of mine. So I had brought materials out and uh, people were buying these things because they were just interested in me being in the band, which I thought was really, really cool of him to say, you can have a spot at the merch table next to me. And and the other band members did too. And I thought to myself, well, if there's a time (laughs) to do this, if you're, you know, because the solo drum thing was in my head still. If there's a time to do this, now would be the time because maybe there's some people that might take a chance on this and right. listen to it or pay attention or whatever, or just give it a shot and then it's a coaster, whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> I thought, why not? It's, it's an opportunity. So uh, that was that was kind of the impetus to bring it back. And so then I just um, started to work for it and, uh, and and released my first album in 2019. So. Yeah, yeah. And it is fun stuff. I, I've seen one of your solo shows and you bring in all sorts of gear and percussion that like you, n- I never would have expected to see used as a drum. So um, sure. how did you develop that? Uh, well, you know, in a lot of ways, um, not by not in a solo context, um, playing with Willie Porter. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you don't know, who he is <laughs> got to find him up. local musician from uh Milwaukee. I've been with him for about 20 years. And um, he he and I did a lot of duo shows in the early two, uh, 2010 or so. And in that case, we would be flying around playing shows and without having to 
to rent backline and bring a bunch of stuff, he was like, why don't you show up with some, what he was calling micro, micro percussion. Hmm. And I had a lot of, you know, a lot of drummers have a lot of miscellaneous and stuff, percussive items. So he's like, let's just try to see if you can make some interesting things happen on stage that maybe are percussion oriented or not. Hmm. And, you know, my, my line of thinking was, yeah, that's, why not? If we can hit it, maybe we can make interesting sounds. So I would show up with a little, with a little bag of stuff and then I would find, thing at, find things at the venues mm-hmm. and which could be anything from stools to ladders to buckets mm-hmm. to, to, I mean, kitchen utensils, whatever. And I would bring them into the show. The point being is a lot of it was more theatrical, but mm-hmm. the idea was that the sounds are what you make it in the scenario. Mm-hmm. And obviously, drum kit and what that is, depending on the dynamic that you're in, you're not going to be able to bring in a, a you know some spoons or <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. cup when you're playing in a rock band. So, but with playing with Willie, I could do goofy things like that because it was just he and I. Right. Huh. So it opened up my mind to thinking more, um, which I guess really ultimately is just more orchestral about the instrument because of classical music. You could bring there's all kinds right. of things, right? right? And through avant-garde stuff, uh, John Cage and and all kinds mm-hmm. of other people, they've you know they've proven that you can make music in all kinds of different ways with percussion items and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was that's kind of the inspiration behind bringing in. I like that oddities. What's the strangest and, thing you've played? Um. Somebody, at, well, it's when I was touring with Willie, there were people would be kind of like, you know, they knew I was doing this, so they would bring stuff. <laughs> really? And uh, a good friend of mine actually brought up uh, um, a can of cat treats. <laughs> and it actually, you could shake it. It was a shaker, basically. That's hilarious. That was probably the most bizarre. But I mean, it was, there was all kinds of stuff. You know, I would just be yeah. rummaging in, you know, the kitchens and different things and they and pull out stuff. And something sounded cool. Something sounded really bad. Yeah, but, that's hilarious. Yeah, and what is it? Uh, so, what is your current setup right now for the drum solo shows? It it just depends. Um, I, I, generally, I'm just playing a, a, a regular kit right now, mm-hmm. um, but as I'm working forward into new music, there's going to be more things happening with mm-hmm. different sounds and mm-hmm. uh, some electronics and stuff like that too. But right now, it's just a standard mm-hmm. uh, drum kit. Nice. At nice. the moment. And are you classically trained or um, tell me, tell me, I guess I do want to go back and, and find out how you got into playing the drums, mm-hmm. uh, but also, you know, answering that question too. Uh, I'm pretty much self-taught. I okay. would say uh, about 95%. Yeah. I had lessons for about a year. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I never knew that. Yep. And it was pretty much just like, you know, here's how to read and okay. I learned the basics that way. Uh, maybe what, a year, year and a half or What so. got you into the drums? Uh, well, it, it, uh, I was inspired to play, I think from, I would say watching a a band at school when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. There were some kids that, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this was definitely the moment where the light bulb went off in my head. They, you know, three kids and they, they were playing, they had a band and they could Mm -hmm. sing and they were, they were playing tunes and they played for like a school, um, assembly. Mm -hmm. And, uh. Yeah, I saw that and I thought, well, I can do that. I want to do that. Yeah. And uh, so that that's that was what kind of set it off in my head. I don't, it had never been in in my mind to uh, to explore any of that. But I would, I had I had I, up to that point I had been very I had been getting more and more into music. Mm-hmm. Music was around in my family, but it wasn't really. Uh, it wasn't a big focus, mm-hmm. so to speak, and so my discovery with music was real, real, real gradual. Mm-hmm. And there's really not much, no musicians in my family. My sister plays a little piano, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so I didn't, um, I didn't have that in the back of my mind. And seeing that, it was like, oh, this is how maybe I can connect the things I'm hearing in records, in the radio, to what this is. And mm-hmm. so that's what kind of got me going. Mm-hmm. And and you were you're from the Milwaukee area, Waukesha, I believe. Yeah, Waukesha in West. Okay, okay, got it. And do you remember the name of the band that inspired you? You know, I don't. What was what was their name? I remember the who they were. Yeah. Because they were friends of mine, and oh, really? I ended up in a band with you know one of them later. And, oh really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Small world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and 
Are they know, aware of the inspiration that they were to uh, Yeah, I think we've talked about yeah, it at some yeah. point. Of course, at that age, you wouldn't tell anybody. But, right, right. You know, but I'm pretty sure they, they know. Yeah. Yeah. And did you take to it right away? Were you, were you like, okay, this is it. This is my life. This is, this is my calling. Yeah. I didn't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was compelled to do it, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know why. Um, I had a lot of, uh, um, how to say it. I had, a, I, once I, once I actually got the drums, I mean, I'd been doing like playing on buckets and stuff mm-hmm. like that and whatever. But once I actually got the drums, my whole being for like the whole concept of what this all was started to just, it, it started to make sense to me, mm-hmm. but I couldn't play. So it was a, you know, a pretty bad racket. Um, uh, but I think that I ended up, I ended up being very like just absorbed by the sound. Mm-hmm. And that was what compelled me to do it. And then I started to make goals. I mean, right off the bat, I had a friend that, you know, like a lot of kids, you got the one friend where you come up with these stupid ideas all the time, right? <laughs> and you got these plans or whatever. And I never had any pl- plans, but I called him <laughs> after that day and I said, we have to start a band. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you play drums and I'll play guitar. And that's how it went. I was like, and he usually kind of was the guy with the plans. And he said that. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll play the drums. And then that was it. And then I was in. And then, you know, it was the work towards being a band. So yeah. he and I having a bit of a vision was part of the, the mm-hmm. compulsion to keep, to work at it and mm-hmm. to do it and then have a plan to, to like do this as a mm-hmm. band. But that was, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, <laughs> pretty young. That is pretty young for a band. Yeah. 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 How long did that band last? Well, he and I played in bands together up until, well, we didn't, uh, probably about four years, three, four okay. years. Yeah. That's pretty good. Fell apart by the time we were both about juniors, yeah. seniors in high school. Yeah. But overall, so. that, that's not so bad. No. Yeah. And where did it? Where did you take it from there? So you you just you just started playing and kept on playing. Right. Uh, well, I, st- I these I had goals. Yeah. Uh, luckily for me, I think um, I had uh, something driving me to to want to do something more with it outside of just playing in the basement. And I did band at school and all that stuff mm-hmm. as well. Okay. But, marching band? Yeah, I did that. Did you? I can't oh, yeah. imagine you in a marching band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did all that. I was into it. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. And I did the concert band yeah. and stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, sure. Um, and jazz band and, and whatever. Anything I could do to play, yeah, yeah. I was into it. But I had I had goals, and I started to kind of think, all right, uh, I want to start. I want to be able to play. I think the goal was I wanted to be able to play professionally before mm-hmm. I was out of high school. Mm-hmm. And that happened by the time I was 15. So, wow. and then it was on. Once I started making money to it, doing it, yeah. uh, I was playing with people that were, you know, a lot older than me, yeah. 15, 20 years older than me. That's um, doing very... Au- doing auditions, yeah. doing all that stuff. Yeah. That's very insightful as a teenager to have that goal to, you know, to be doing something before you're out of high school, but then, and then you meet it before at, when you're 15. Right. Like, where did that come from? Do you think, I don't know, did you... Well, have parents that were very goal oriented, or was that? That's an that's you know that's an interesting question because I have thought about that, and I think all my siblings are like this mm-hmm. too. Um, but in our own, in like I think you know, there's family traits that just run mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. and I think that that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad died when I was young. He mm-hmm. died when I was ten. Wow. Okay. So. He he was he would have been the person that might have been inspiring towards it, mm-hmm. but he never would have allowed it. Interesting. So that's the the weird thing in my life is that I lost my dad, and I got music. Yeah. It was literally within eight months. Yeah. And and I don't mean that matter of factly, mm-hmm. but that it I mean it is fact. Mm-hmm. There's no question because yeah. he would never have tolerated drums. Really. Like, never. It's not even a an, like, oh, well, maybe once you started doing it, he would have let, no, it <laughs> never would have happened in my house. Wow. Not even in the garage? Nothing. No, wow. because, I mean, my sister played piano and that was it. Uh-huh. And he, he just, there was just, there's just no way. It was a, would have been a, a non-negotiable. I, it would never have been something I would have even thought to ask him. Yeah. That's how far away. So... 
the point behind saying that and, and like how this is relative, I think is yeah, I lost him. I got music. There's that void. Mm-hmm. And I think music filled that void mm-hmm. from not having a father. Mm-hmm. And my, my being, and I think unconsciously, mm-hmm. but I think being able to look back on it and, and I know that the things that I would have been doing with my dad or the things that may have happened through my life, mm-hmm. those things were gone. My mm-hmm. mom, of course, you know, she was raising me. She did mm-hmm. a great job, but there's just something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, the drums became the focus. Mm-hmm. Music became the focus. And maybe that was, a uh, like I said, the filling the void. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it seemed to work. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a weird thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was just talking about this with my sister the other day and and it, it's 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 just a it's just a that's just what my life became. Yeah. And uh it's hard to imagine it differently. It's hard to imagine having grown up with a father. It's hard to imagine growing up without music. I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a cliche. People say it all the time, you know, music saved my life or did the whatever. Mm-hmm. But I can I can say right here that that mm-hmm. if I didn't have music, if I didn't have that outlet and that focus to be center centering me, because mm-hmm. it always was centering me, it was like this thing that always I was able to come back to, mm-hmm. and I mean I, I, that's how it worked for me. Mm-hmm. There's just no question. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's so cool. And so let's go back to um, that 15 year old gig that you had. Mm-hmm. Where was that? It was a it was it was with a polka band, believe really? it or not. Yeah, of course it was. It's you know Wisconsin. right. <laughs> right. Who would ever thought? You know, here I am, uh, so immersed in like hard rock and stuff in the eighties, <laughs> and I'm in a polka band with guys that are like fifty years old. Uh-huh. It was an eight piece polka band wow. with the you know accordion and the horns and the whole deal, and I knew of course nothing about any of that. But uh, I, I and I auditioned. It was huh. an audition. Um, my stepdad. Uh, he was a, uh, he sold uh, lawn and garden implement tractors and such for a John, <laughs> John Deere dealership. And he, <laughs> and he knew these guys because they would uh, rent trailers from him for parades and things. Oh, wow. And this one guy, I don't know <laughs> how this went down because I was so young. He came in and he was either whining or complaining that he had lost a drummer or whatever. And my stepdad's like... I got this kid over here. He can play drums. You should give him a shot. And he, you know, my stepdad was a talker and he talked this guy in to giving me an audition. Huh. And, uh, I went in and played what I thought was a polka beat <laughs> and I played what it, was, what it was. I thought a waltz was, and they hired me. Huh. And, uh, and it, so were you right? Were those the correct beats? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just gave me some tips, Yeah. but I did what they told me to, yeah. and it was. I think I was making forty, fifty bucks a, a gig, and this yeah. is nineteen eighty four or yeah. something. I mean, it was yeah. great for a kid. My mom and stepdad had to drive me to the gigs and sit right. there with me because I was too young, and and I did that for six months until then. I auditioned for another band, which was an actual like a wedding band, mm-hmm. and it, again through my stepdad, you know, hire the kid, wow. and I went in uh, and beat out like nine drummers or something. Wow. And I didn't I didn't get the gig at first because they were like, we're not going to hire this. And I was, at that point, I was 16. Yeah. We're not going to hire this kid. And uh, they had somebody else and it didn't work out. And they said, well, let's just see what happens. Yeah. And, and then I did that for like a couple of years in high school. Yeah, it's great. That you was know, my first job. Yeah. The nice thing about working with with youths as opposed to adults sometimes, and, and maybe this is what they experience with the youths. And, you, and you're and you a teacher, so you get this too, is they're trainable, right? Sure, right. <laughs> adults right. sometimes have their, their you know, their patterns set, their, uh, their mentality set, you know. Right. It, it, it's, it, with kids, they're, they're willing to be taught and trained. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, that's the truth. That, and, yeah. and I really wanted to do it. I, I was, and I, it was cool because I was able to learn lots of music mm-hmm. that I, I maybe knew of. But no, I had to mm-hmm. learn fifty songs, mm-hmm. and uh, and I already had I'd already spent a lot of time learning music by ear, mm-hmm. so I, I was ready to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but I had to learn a lot of music that I normally wouldn't listen to. Mm-hmm. And that was really good for me. It was really good yeah. to just be like thrown into that and have to deal with it. But I didn't care because now I was making, at that time, it was a hundred bucks a gig or something. Mm-hmm. And it was good. I mean, I didn't Especially have to, for I, a teenager. Yeah. I, didn't have to, I didn't have to flip burgers. And I was doing, <laughs> right? I was doing 40 gigs a year, 50 wow. gigs a year, every Saturday night. And As a teenager. Yeah. It was cool. That's great. So then, did I mean, what? where did you go from there, from high school? Uh, spent... Um, Kind of my time doing that, and uh, then I I went into a, a stretch of trying to figure out if if further education mm-hmm. was going to be the thing for me. So I, I did a little bit of college, and uh, I was I was compelled to go to Berkeley at Berkeley, mm-hmm. Berkeley, Berkeley. I wanted <laughs> to go to Berkeley. I thought that was you know the thing to do, and uh, so my mom was like, "Well, you want to go to Berkeley? You're going to pay for it because it mm-hmm. was even then it was expensive." Sure. And I said, all right, okay. I looked at the <laughs> what it was going to cost, and I was like, wow. So I thought, well, let's just make sure that I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure this is the right thing for me. So I, uh, I took um, a year of, of music classes mm-hmm. at UW-Waukesha and uh, found out real fast that it wasn't for me. The academic scene? Yep, mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. And partly because I didn't have a lot of background in in uh, piano, mm-hmm. uh, I did take piano lessons and study to the learn theory, some, yeah. but my theory was mm-hmm. bad, and I knew what I, that I was going to have to do all that in college, mm-hmm. and I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't regret not going further into it, but taking that year to to try and mm-hmm. see what it was about, I did learn quite a bit about what I didn't know. Particularly, sure. my theory got better. It's still not very good, but mm-hmm. I learned a lot about ear training and a lot about things that I, I knew very little about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it helped me quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it also helped me to make up my mind and say, I'm just going to do this and do the band route mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So then it was pretty much from then on, band after band after band, you know, and, and uh, playing doing original music. I was committed mm-hmm. to playing original music, and I spent about a good seven or eight years doing that after high school with bands. Nice. Um, what made you commit to that so early on? Uh, seeing Again, seeing other people, kids my age, mm-hmm. uh, there, was a, there was a band in high school that was doing it out of high school, you know, 17, 18 years old, and they were making the albums and stuff like that, and I thought, there were a couple bands in my school that were doing that, and I thought, and I was doing the wedding band thing, which was fine for making money, mm-hmm. but I wasn't, I was sick of that. I wanted to mm-hmm. actually do something creative. So, um, yeah, so that was play original music. And then that is, uh, to be honest with you, since that point, it's been the whole focus for mm-hmm. me. I've played in my, my share of cover bands over the years and uh, still you know, do an occasional thing with this Led Zeppelin tribute band that I play with. But for me, I had, I had to make a decision of, of like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Am I doing it for, for the money? Or am I doing it for me as a musician and my growth as a person? Mm-hmm. And uh, and not to look down my nose at that sort of thing, you know, cover bands and all that stuff, because I get it, mm-hmm. and it can be very re- rewarding for lots of people for lots of different reasons. But for me, it wasn't. And mm-hmm. I would get very uh, bored, frustrated with it, and mm-hmm. just not interested in doing it. And uh, so playing original music for me has always been more uh, more rewarding. Mm-hmm. I get more out of doing it, and I found ways to make money on occasion in doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And you kind of get to help create the the music. I right. mean, uh, I mean, how as the drummer in an original band, I mean, what what is the process like? Excuse me, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> for just developing the track, developing the um, the music. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I was lucky. I was really, really lucky at, at those formative, mm-hmm. in my early 20s, to get into a band. I was in a band called Moloko Shivers, which was um, I was in for about seven years. And it was a collective mm-hmm. in the sense that everybody wrote together. Now, I don't play enough on any other instruments to come in and bring anything in that way. But these guys respected me enough as a musician and respected my opinion enough that I was able to contribute uh, as much as they were to the forms, the arranging, and the creation of the tunes, which gave me an awful lot of confidence and belief in myself as, you know, an artist. To not, 
to not just think of the drums. And, and this probably all comes full circle into the, dr into the drum music thing mm -hmm. because I was thinking creatively in the sense of, of, of song formation mm -hmm. and composition and whatever. Mm -hmm. I never wrote lyrics or anything, anything like that, but thinking about song forms and presentation and all that stuff and spending so much time with those guys doing that and also then in the engineering part, we had our own recording studio as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got real deep into that part of it as well. And because of this sort of really nurturing relationship between the four of us where nobody judged one another on, on opinions, it was really, I mean, I was very, very fortunate. And I remember being at that time thinking to myself and why I didn't go to Berkeley and why I didn't mm -hmm. continue, I didn't move out of here and things like that. I remember saying to myself when I was 22, 23, the band ended when I was about 27, I remember saying to myself, you may never get into an opportunity like this where you feel this fulfilled as a musician, where mm -hmm. you're contributing. And, you know, we had mild success around here mm -hmm. and some things regionally, regionally, but nothing, you know, we weren't getting anywhere as far as like getting really well known, mm -hmm. but it was enough that it was enough to, to keep going. Mm -hmm. And uh, having that sort of feedback, mainly from, the, from each of us, and being so happy doing that, that I just felt I have to follow this through. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, by the time I was done, I was 27, and here I am almost 30. And, and, and at the end, when you're done with that sort of thing and it's over, now you're thinking, well, I've got nothing to show for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of one of those deals where it was like, the band's gone, there's nothing, there's no money, there's no nothing. Right. I'm left with, and I was like at zero. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, that's very perceptive. But I had knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so tell me about some of the bands that you've been involved with over the years. Uh, you've, you've done all sorts of things, uh, you know, from the tribute bands to the original bands to cover bands, to, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. Like, and it, it seems like you've done anything under the sun, jazz, et cetera. I think I've tried to be as busy as, as yeah. anybody can be, you know, with uh, taking whatever work would come my way. Yeah. Uh, I spent probably a good 10 years taking every gig that came yeah. my way. And that went from probably about, you know, 29 years old to about, well, about 40 or so. And uh, a lot of it has been rock music. Mm -hmm. uh, I started doing the Willie Porter gig when I was uh, th about 30. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was like career changing for me mm -hmm. in so many ways because uh, not only musically, but personally, he's one of my best friends. He's just an incredible dude. And, but like, it, it changed my perspective on, on all kinds of things about music. Cause I had pr pretty much just played in all these, you know, rock band after rock band after rock band at that point. And, you know, a little bit of jazz and improv and things like that too. But I hadn't really pushed myself to play with this, you know, many different people. When I started playing with him, I started getting calls because mm -hmm. people knew I was playing with him. And then I started getting calls by people with, you know, different you know, ideas about music. So I started to think, oh, I'll try this, I'll try that, and that sort of thing. And uh, particularly playing with him shaped, like, getting me to, th and I already mentioned this with the, with the you know, micro percussion and stuff like that, but getting to play with him made me start to think a lot deeper about what is happening in the song. Because when you, I had never played with anybody who wrote lyrics to mm -hmm. the depth that he does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's a phenomenal lyricist. Yeah. And uh, and from the drummer's spot, I was like, eh, whatever. If the melody's good, I don't care what they're singing, that sort right. of thing. That was kind of always my attitude. Mm -hmm. Not not like in an offhanded way, but maybe slightly. <laughs> but playing with him, I had to stop and think about that more. And, and, he, and he demanded it. I mean, mm -hmm. this is what's happening in the lyric, in the blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, uh, we never talked about this in any other bands that I've played mm -hmm. with. You know, we have to, this is a consideration. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, and it's not even so much that you're dramatically changing what you're doing, but I think it's in the back of your mind that you need to be supporting in a different way than you did before from the drums. Mm -hmm. All of that sort of stuff has been just a, a massive like learning. I know you asked like who have I all played with and stuff, but this is like the fact of the matter is it's it it has formed the the, the nucleus in in me being able to to expand in, with other yeah. people, and uh, so from that sort of thing. Um, there's been a bit of jazz here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I spent some time playing with a, 
uh, a swing group, mm-hmm. which was all charts and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which was horrifying every night because my reading is not very good. <laughs> but it was great because it helped me to develop that. I, I did I did a bunch of that. Um, I've been doing this Led Zeppelin tribute band off and on for the last yeah. 15, 20 years. Um, and that's cool because it's like six, seven shows maybe a year, not even that much. Yeah. And where we just pop in and do it and not have to think about it, which is which is cool. But otherwise, uh, you know, I've played with uh, the Boogeyman for a while, like yeah. Jason Mason. Yeah. I've subbing for Cherry Pie. I mean, it's there was all kinds of bands that I was subbing for and things like that. Uh, some of which you have to really dress up for, right? <laughs> oh, there was some of that, <laughs> the wigs and the whole deal. Uh, yeah. And then after that, uh, I did I did the stretch with Martin Barr. Yeah. There was that was in there. What was that like? Another massively like formative experience. Um, just being on the road with that guy at that time, he was seventy-two. Yeah. Uh, and just being like I said, being on the road with him, who number one, he's a guy at that point in his career didn't even have to be doing any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, millions and millions of albums mm-hmm. sold. He doesn't need to be doing anything. Yeah. But he was out forging his identity, and th- you know, it's funny because as you mentioned that, I think of it, think of it right now and think. Okay, you know, in the last five, six years, or what, three years, with the kind of a, a revisioning and sort of trying to figure out, you know, starting over to maybe some degrees, I look at him in that time, which when I played with him was 2017, 18, he had been, he started out doing his solo stuff in like 2013, 14, mm-hmm. but he had never done it before. He'd mm-hmm. just been with Jethro Tull for 43 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. and he lost that band, and he was at square one mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Of course, not like me, because he's, <laughs> he's Martin Barr. Right, right. But it's relative to him. And he, ha- you know, it wasn't like you can go out and play Shea Stadium anymore or any arenas. It's a new brand, yeah. He's got to yeah. start over, and he's got to reinvent himself. Sure, he, could, he can lean on the Jethro Tull music, but at the same time, he doesn't want to just be mm-hmm. recycling that because mm-hmm. he's got an identity. He wants to say, this is me, right? Mm-hmm. So he was out playing clubs. Mm-hmm. He was driving the van. I mean, and and it wasn't some of the some of the places were theaters, some of the places were Shank Hall sized places, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but it was all kinds of different things, and just being out with that guy was a, a really great reminder of of just re- retaining your perspective mm-hmm. on on what this whole thing is, and with the industry being so volatile. And back then, it was right. It was it was always been volatile, volatile. Yeah. It's, but it's yeah. now it's insane. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, just watching him navigate through the stuff with such a good attitude. And I, we were, we were in, uh, we were driving somewhere. I don't know. He and I were just together in the, in the van one time and, and he was tired. Of course I was tired. We just played like five <laughs> nights in a row and I looked at him and he's kind of made some sort of remark about being tired. And I said, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you still doing this? And it was interesting because, cause I, you know, he, like I said, he didn't need to be doing it. And his, his response to me was because I have nothing else I want to do that yeah. I want to do more. Yeah. And, you know, he's got a beautiful home and he had a couple of homes at that point, one in Canada or something and, you know, in England and he's all over the place. He's, you know, he's got a nice family. He's got kids. He's got grandchildren. He's got all that stuff. He says, I get home and I want to be at back out working again. He's like, obviously, I want to see my family and my yeah. grandchildren and all that stuff. He's like, but I just love to work. Yeah. And he, again, 72, and he's still, he's, I know he's waiting to get back out. We're still in contact, you know. I know he's he still wants to get back out playing again because he's, that's Crazy. what he does. Yeah. He's probably going nuts. Yeah. Because he just wants to be out that's working. That's what he does, yeah. So it yeah. was like, this is something that you can just keep on doing. I mean, I think everybody thinks in the back of their mind, if they're a career musician, how long am I going to do this? And in what capacity am I going to do this, yeah. right? And as a drummer, things start to break down, and there's all that stuff that's happening, you know, with, with the physicality of, the, of it. My back has had problems and different things like that. And you think, how long am I going to be slamming a drum kit up and down a flight of steps to go yeah. into some club or whatever? And seeing him do it was inspiring. It yeah, really was. And he, and he was just a really great dude. And to, to play the music every night with him was just be, the high level of, of precision. It was, I, I had to be on it every night. It wasn't like you good can, for you. it was good great. for him. Yeah. It's, good, it's yeah. I mean, it's good yeah. for everybody. Everybody knew they're stepping on stage. This guy's not taking any prisoners. Yeah. And he was loud. He was playing as heavy <laughs> as any kid I've ever heard play. And you know, it was a full night. It wasn't like short sets. It was always at least a two hour show. 
it was heavy duty. Nice. Yeah. How did you get into that gig with him? Well, back to Willie Porter again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it all starts from there. <laughs> yeah, it really. And this is purely because of Willie Willie Porter. Wow. He uh, Martin and Martin and I had a couple of interactions over the years uh, through. See, Willie did a number of tour, tours with Jethro Tull. Okay, so he cool. knew those, and uh, Martin had played on his albums, and Ian Anderson, the, f- mm-hmm. the uh, front man from Jethro Tull, had played on an album too. So, I mean, they were they were close, mm-hmm. at least close enough that they, they were communicating regularly. And uh, Willie had been in some sort of email exchange with Martin, and Martin had just lost his drummer. Hmm. And... Uh, Willie just took it upon himself to throw my name in the hat. How great. He didn't, he didn't ask me. There was no communication. <laughs> I literally got a call from England one day. Really? Yes. And it, I missed the call because I was taking care of my daughter. And it was him. It was Martin Barr. And I listened to this voicemail, and I'm like, this, why is he calling me? And, in the, and he wasn't spe- specific about what he wanted. I'm like, why is he calling me? And I, so I called Willie right away, and I said, dude, what's going on? Yeah. Why did he just call me? And he was like, even like, his words were like, well, wow, he really, he called you. And he's like, <laughs> I sent him an email and told him to hire you. And he, I didn't, now I didn't get the gig right away, but I was in the mix. There was other yeah. people ahead of me. Wow. And it just panned out that I got it for the stretch that so I was did. Was there an audition for that or, you know? No. <laughs> and, and that's, that was equally as... Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, so what happened was, is there was another guy in, in line and he did. Uh, so what happened, I got a call like in December of 16 and it was about a tour in March. And, uh, and, and mind you at this point, I'm, I, I don't have a house to live in. I'm living with my in-laws. Yeah. I don't have a place to practice or anything. Oh my gosh. And uh, because we're, we had sold our house and we we're waiting f- to move into a new one. And uh, I don't have a house. And I don't have nowhere to, I have nowhere to practice. And uh, so we're going through this and Martin says, well, we got this tour in the spring and there's this other guy in line. So he was able to do it. But that guy was also Jeff Beck's drummer, who, if you're not in the know, Jeff Beck is, if you're talking about up the food chain and Mm -hmm. guitar players, Jeff Beck is like in the Mm -hmm. top, you know, top of the, of the game. And Jeff Beck was the bigger priority. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Martin had another tour coming in the fall and this fella could not commit to a stretch that Martin had. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I got, a, you know, he, I lost it. Well, I didn't lose it, but it was, this guy got the first stretch and then it was, he called me like in May and said, I need you for September. Mm-hmm. And I did. And then I did, um, I did like two months with him mm-hmm. in September on, on the road. And then I did another stretch in February. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. And will you be back? With him? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I yeah. would love to be. Uh, yeah. Just. It's, there's a lot of, sorry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, elements to that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one was that, uh, and it's the whole thing, the whole, st- and I've talked about this with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I've, and not to go down the a road of like, you know, weirdness, but yeah. like. I had a stretch in my life where so many things were happening so fast. And I think everybody has this, but it, for me, it was a very like introspective, okay, you got to stop and look at this whole thing from a, from a new perspective because there's so much happening and coming at you so fast that you need to stop mm-hmm. and just chill out. Because what ended up happening was literally two weeks before I was to go on tour with Martin, I got a call or my wife found out she was pregnant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with her second child. Wow. And th- as I'm about to go on this, this stretch with him, uh, you know, it's like w- there's a kid coming. He's coming in April. And what is this going to mean? Am I going to be able to commit to this mm-hmm. work with Martin mm-hmm. or whatever? Now, you were asking if there was a rehearsal. There was no <laughs> rehearsals. I had to learn these songs and just show up. And we had two days of yeah. re- prep. And then, and then the tour was man, on, man. which was intimidating. Yeah. Really intimidating. But you pulled it off. Yeah. Pulled it off. But as far as going forward. Yes. Yeah. He, he, uh, so what ended up happening is my son was on the way and then he had another tour happening yeah. in, in Europe and it was going to overlap with where my son was going to be born. And initially the plan was to have a drummer in Europe and then a drummer in the States. Mm-hmm. And 
I would just be the guy. He asked me after our first rehearsal, can you do this mm-hmm. and be the guy over here? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But my son's coming. I can't do anything else during the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, that's fine. We have somebody else in Europe that can handle that. Well, long story short, they we finished our tour. They went back to Europe. And the guy that was supposed to cut it in Europe, he wasn't cutting it. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, Martin had been dealing with a couple different people that just weren't quite up to learning the music correctly and wasting a bit of time. And I think some frustration just with not mm-hmm. being happy with the commitment of other people. Mm-hmm. And so he was frustrated and he found somebody else that who's got the gig right now, this guy named Darby Todd. And he, Darby's got dual citizenship. Hmm. So Darby's, he can be in the States. There's no like visa. Him. And the visas are very expensive to come over here. Oh. A lot of people don't know that. Hmm. But if you're coming over here to play from wherever, hmm. it's really expensive. That was part of the point of having okay. somebody here got to it. do it. And uh, so and Darby's a monster, monster yeah. musician. Yeah. And, he's, and, and he and I have become friends. He's a good dude. And uh, it was like, he got the gig, and it made the most sense. I mean, besides, they're they're in England, yeah, and I'm in Wisconsin. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, I wanted to hang on to the yeah, gig, yeah, but there's just it didn't make any Some sense. Things, yeah, and so you know, if there ever comes a point where he needs me, mm-hmm. he knows where I am. He knows how to find you. Yeah, and I would I would do it if I could. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. it was cool because there was no there was no bad blood. I didn't get fired from the right, gig. Right. It was just this is the circumstances and. Yep. But it was tough, like I was saying before, it was tough to kind of keep my perspective on all this stuff happening because you wait so long to get somewhere sometimes mm-hmm. and you finally get where you're you're going. You know, doing this thing with Martin was opening a door mm-hmm. for me in the business, which I had never expected to go through. Yeah, and yeah. now that door closed. But it was nice to be there while, while I had it. Yeah. And, and I had to kind of just stop and say, this is, you, you know, you you were ready for this. This is something you always wanted to do. And you got to do it. And it was fun. And uh, yeah. now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's gone for on now. On to the next thing. Yeah, That's yeah. cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things about you is that you've been able to accomplish so many things. And you haven't needed to move to Nashville or to California or New York to accomplish all this. And and you've been a full-time musician and, and um, touring musician. And you've been based in Wisconsin the whole time. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. The whole time. Um, I mean, what have the challenges of, of that been for you? Well, I, it's been hard mm-hmm. in some ways. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I've stayed here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there certainly have been times where I've gone, why did I stay here? Mm-hmm. Mainly because of the weather. But <laughs> other than that, you know, I, I, I've got family here, and so it made sense to, to stay in this position. Uh, I've gotten fortunate to get into a number of situations and made them work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my decisions to stick around, I, I did it primarily for because I was being creatively fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I always the reason why I never moved is because I, I always would stop and say, well, what, what's going to happen? What, is, what, is, what really matters to you, okay, mm-hmm. to, to me? <laughs> Not to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, always would, I would say, well, I want to be able to make a living playing music, mm-hmm. right? And I want to be creatively fulfilled. And every time I looked at that, I was already doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, why would you throw away happiness when you have it? And, that is so cool. And 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 it's that in that regard, it's worked out for me. Mm-hmm. I've been able to still find people here that I really enjoy playing mm-hmm. with, and excuse me, and I've been able to branch out here and there with some people like with Martin and mm-hmm. and other people as well, and uh, that's worked out. And I think mm-hmm. I think if you if you work hard and if you stay patient. And you're you're consistent, and you're professional, and you do all those things. I'm not saying you should just wait for op- opportunities, mm-hmm. but I think it, stuff is going to come along, mm-hmm. and that's easy to say because it's happened to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there were stretches when it didn't happen to mm-hmm. me, and there was lots of times when I I was never thinking about going anywhere else mm-hmm. and playing anywhere else. But y- when those opportunities show up, you got to give it everything you got. And I, and I will say that I worked hard when I had those opportunities mm-hmm. to make them, you know, to the absolute fullest of my, the potential. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's if you have that sort of thing, and, and that's what's going to, I think, make you succeed in a, in a bigger town as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a lot more competition. 
Right, that's true. There's no question about that. Uh, and I've got lots of friends around the, around the world that are you know dealing with all that stuff. But you know we're in a we're in a culture now with music that you can work in a lot of different places, and I think you can be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I never really had huge ambitions to to get onto the big tours and to make mm-hmm. lots of money, uh, which. Maybe that'll happen. If not, I'm okay with it. It's, it's just fine. <laughs> as long as you're fulfilled, as you said. So yeah. that, that's great. That's such, uh, so well said. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, what have been some of the lessons, the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? Be on time. <laughs> that's a big one, right? Uh, I won't share that you were five minutes late I was late five today. minutes late today. <laughs> that's because I thought I knew where I was going. <laughs> that is funny. But. Uh, now, be on time. Right. Be on time is a big one. But, right. Uh yeah, I think the, one of the biggest things I learned over the years uh, is to, and, and everybody's different in how they interact with people, but especially if you're going to go on the road and do all those sorts of things, you have to be, you, you have to be malleable. Mm-hmm. And I think that just goes all across the board. And that means like if you go in the studio with somebody and they and they don't like what you're doing and you have to redo it 50 times you got it you know for whatever mm-hmm. reason if you're doing that you got to be malleable you, yeah you know and maybe going so far as to not take it personally too. exactly yeah you got to be ready for that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and and that goes right down the line can you be in the van or wherever on the bus and can you just shut up <laughs> can you not bug people can you pay attention to what to what's going on in the room? Can you pay attention mm-hmm. to what's happening around you without being so focused on yourself mm-hmm. and being so absorbed with whatever you are or whatever you want or whatever anything is? Can you just cool it and just focus mm-hmm. on what is it going to take to keep everything relaxed? Not to be appeasing people or whatever like that, mm-hmm. but sometimes just shutting up mm-hmm. and just being cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that goes a long way. I think you know, what people forget or maybe they don't know is I've heard this from so many people over the years. It's like everybody can play. Everybody can pretty, usually play pretty good. But are you somebody that they, they want to hang out with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do they want to, again, sit in a van with you for six hours without wanting to, to yeah. kick you out or whatever? And, I mean, that stuff is huge. It's yeah. massive. And I have heard lots of stories over the years from past employers and things of pe- the way people behaved. And I was like, well... I'm seeing how they're talking about this person. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be that person. So whatever my tendencies are that might be reflective in the same way of behavior, I'm going to table that stuff and start to think about these things. And so to answer your question, I mean, mm-hmm. to, again, being malleable and just mm-hmm. being able to flow with all sorts of things that are going to come your way, I think that's huge because if you don't, then you can start to be the, the problem. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, so that means be on time. That means know the music you're going to have to know, whatever you're going to do. Yeah, Play high level of execution mm-hmm. all the time. And then, you know, can you order dinner and not be offensive? Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a, such an obvious thing. What's the big deal? But I, I mean, I've been in that, at that, that spot where it's like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, or they're just behaving in a way that's just so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I mean, is it an ego thing? I think it's self-absorption. Yeah. Yeah. I think people become so focused on their world mm-hmm. and, and just me, 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 mm-hmm. that they're not aware of how they're affecting other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it, it takes somebody telling you, say, like, you know, mellow out. Mm-hmm. Or, but sometimes you can, you can just get it from a vibe. Mm-hmm. I feel that is it, I think one of my talents as a person is I can sense that stuff from people mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, and also the like, you know, people talking and talking and talking and never listening to what anybody's mm-hmm. saying. I mean, can you have a conversation? That alone <laughs> would make me not want to be in a band with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you stop, right? Just right. stop talking. You know? Yeah. yeah. I like that. The Dave Shepke uh, <laughs> band test. Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up once in a while, right? <laughs> I like that. Awesome. So, and then one other question. Um, have you had any uh, favorite venues or gigs that you've played? Memorable? Maybe mm. that's a better word for yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've had, for me, it, it uh, because of the per- my try to, trying to maintain my perspective in, mm-hmm. on, on music and not be compelled about, like, big audiences mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I played to big crowds and stuff like that. 
uh, for me, it's been more about like, what is the fulfilling moment? Mm-hmm. So uh, one that I, and one that I, I've gone back to before was when, um, the first time playing with Willie Porter at Summerfest was a mm-hmm. big one for me because it was a, it was that was an achievement thing. Mm-hmm. It was a ten o'clock slot at Summerfest, the place I That's played true, you know, yeah. thirty, forty times mm-hmm. at that point or whatever, and it was like, okay, I kind of this is I can notch this off mm-hmm. for me. So in that way, it was it was one of those things, but there's been so many playing in Europe was was mm-hmm. massive for me just to be actually in Europe playing music, which was always a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, it was with a, a blues band I didn't know, and it was just like we're playing to 25 people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care because I mm-hmm. was in Belgium, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't believe that I was in Belgium playing mm-hmm. music. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was the gig anything <laughs> memorable musically? Not really. But just being there and being so, like, aware. I've, I've tried to – I've had a number of times when I've tried to say to myself, you need to stop and take this in mm-hmm. for what this moment is. So there's been a lot of those for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. where I've been just like, this is just something else to be right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And this is never what you thought you would do. I never had, you know, these expectations. I just wanted to try to keep doing it. So I've been in a lot of situations that have been just awesome. And sometimes there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. So, But it was still absolutely worth it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes those can be the best. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and then b- before I ask you about what what you have coming up, but um, I wanted to to find out: is there anything that we didn't talk about here that you'd like to to think about and, and bring to the audience? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> or we can talk about what you have coming up and come back to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing that I could think of at the moment. I mean. Uh, I think I think what's important about being a musician is is being able to find whatever it is that is compelling you to do it and 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 stay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's not a question, but like I know for myself that I had to find certain things that kept me uh, in in retaining a positive attitude mm-hmm. towards it. And the reason I'm saying this is because the business and everything around the business is. Other than the actual music part of it, like the joy that people get from music, a lot of it is negative. There's mm-hmm. a lot of negative elements from the just the dealing with people, the the negatives of the industry, the chemicals that are that are around it constantly. The, all the, the 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 toxicness of the industry is very. It's hard mm-hmm. to navigate it and to stay in it and to be positive. And if you can have something that you can latch onto that is real within it. That's not all this transient garbage that's around it. That that, that is almost like a, takes you down the wrong path mm-hmm. into things that that are b- become battles and different things. And I've seen been in so many bands and seen bands get torn up for so, so many different reasons. And if you can have that sort of like positive uh, focus, you can stay in it. And I've seen I've seen lots of people just wash out mm-hmm. or just get so bitter about it. And I feel as excited about playing music as I did when I was 12. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, it's, it's, it's the absolute truth. I love to play the drums. I love to play music. I love to make music. I love to record it. I love to do all that stuff when as much as I can. And I feel so fortunate that I've been able to just keep that going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so again, does the money matter? Not really. Does the big mm-hmm. tours matter? Not really. Those sure those things are cool, but um, just doing it and being happy mm-hmm. is the one thing. Yeah, so, so well said. Thanks. Um, so tell us about what you have coming up here. So, uh, yeah, this this fall I'm, I'm releasing a string of singles and uh, an EP. This will be the third collection of tunes that I've got. And uh, it's with this, uh, this label out of Germany in Dresden, uh, a friend of mine that I met just by uh, when I first put out my first album, I, I uh, did kind of a cold call with a bunch of small independent labels. And I sent out about 100 emails and information on my, on my finished product. And uh, he was one of the few people that got back to me and was really like, this is cool. I really like it. Let's work together. It didn't work out in the, in the sense of releasing my, my first couple albums with him, but we stayed in contact and worked on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Really good guy. His name's Sebastian. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the name of the label is called Jumi, D-J-U-M-M-I. Mm-hmm. And it's a tiny little label, out of, like I said, out of Dresden. But it's, uh, it's a connection over there. And I love Europe and I love Germany. And uh, so what he and I are doing is I'm releasing elements of music that are independent from my albums. So I did a, uh, a song with him in 2019, or was it 2019? And this is an EP, and then he also contributed a little bit to it as well. He did some uh, some uh, keys and some sonic uh, soundscaping and different things. So two of the songs are drums only, and then two are with his accompaniment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first one that's coming out is coming out uh, tomorrow. It's called, oh, nice. called Bionic. Yeah, yeah, by the time this podcast will be out, it'll have been out. It'll yes. be, be out. So Yeah, September yeah. 21st. Yeah, great. Uh, so that's what the, that's so I'm doing one tomorrow and then I'm doing uh, one in October, uh, another single and then it'll be the EP itself will come out in November. Awesome. And that's the immediate and then there's there's a bunch of other miscellaneous projects that's in the works great. too. So. And and where can people find out more specifically about you? Um, website, social media. Yep, DaveShepke.com is the it's got the hub for all the yeah. stuff. Uh, in that I'll have the links to everything. That's probably the f- easiest way. Yeah. Um, and you have a newsletter now. I have a newsletter. <laughs> and if you go onto my website, please sign up for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing, like, as far as, like, reinventing and doing the things. And you and I have talked about that. Yeah. Uh, to try to have some sort of way to connect with people that's outside of social media, right? Yeah. It, as we've talked about. It's just, it's so hard to, to make connections. And that's something I probably should have done a long time ago, do a newsletter. But, um, so yeah, I'm happy. Better late than never. Right. Yeah, Yeah, definitely sign up for it. It's looking really good. So, yeah. And um, uh, social handles at all? Yeah. uh, Instagram, uh, I think it's just Dave Shepke Music. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook, Dave Shepke Music as Mm -hmm. well. Dave Shepke, yeah, music drummer. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What I have. You'll Uh, find. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's only a couple Dave Shepkes out there that are, I don't know if there's any drummers. There probably are, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So go find him, Dave Shepke. Thank you so much for being here on the show today. Thanks for having me. This is fun. All right.
so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.